doing Elias doing good man so uh uh how's your uh weekend going it's going phenomenally we're on vacation in Indian Shores Florida right on the beach got a little beach house that's literally on the beach and it couldn't be any more relaxing right I'm trying to get like a little trip planned to uh maybe like Virginia Beach and Ooh. go up to Washington D.C., but it's probably not a good a good time to go to Washington D.C. right now. It's probably maybe pretty not. ridiculous. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we were talking about going to Washington D.C. I've been doing an obsessive amount of study on American history and uh, the philosophies that built this country, and so I'm. Kind of wanting to go do kind of a, uh, uh, like a field trip kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like 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 a pilgrimage, you know. Right. I I I believe in the power of magic now, and apparently our founding fathers did, and so I want to, you know, look into that because I think I really believe a lot of what we're in this what what's going on in this country is, um philosophy and eventually psychology i think it it was just a very complex way to figure out how to control people but i'm sounding a little too kooky already i can tell you (laughs) right now let's just cut to the chase we're recording it is um the 8th of november Mm -hmm. and the race is over. Uh, Election ended. Despite what some people say. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, my biggest concern is just, you know, nobody be violent. Please, people, don't get violent. Don't get ignorant and and attack each other. Let's just, let's do our best to be the best we can to each other because if we can't be too good to each other how are we going to be good to the world or how are we going to be any good for the world but uh you know i mean you know if on that point you know i mean since we are now going to be led by you know the pedophile satan worshiping um evil overlords on the left um we might as well continue in our our you know looking into what Satanists believe and and whether or not they really are truly interested in being good to each other and good to the world. Right, um, and that's you know that's uh, a a good a good way to look at it. I think that's the way you should look at it. And um, 
you know, pretty there's sure, a lot the of. That... <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah. pretty sure that the Satanists are not in favor of pedophilia um, based on what we've <laughs> learned so far. So yeah, that's already a contradiction. Yeah. Well, well, I have a conspiracy. I have a number of conspiracy theories. I'm thinking about maybe writing a few little um, kind of short stories about them or something. I don't know, but I have these conspiracy theories, but they're l- like left wing liberal conspiracies. They're not ultra conservative right wing. They're they're left wing liberal. Yeah, like big pharma. Yeah, well, yeah, you you get into big pharma, but you also vaccines get into cause autism. The thing that the conspiracy theory world really fails on is the fact that they forget they they've made excuses for Donald Trump's. How do I put this in a gentle way to not set people off, but. Donald Trump has just been uh, kind of, um, he's made some really ignorant and unintelligent decisions. He's, he's made, you know, I just, I question the man's ability to function properly. And I think that's why he does so well at reality TV, um, Donald Trump, you know, I, I just, and th- and my theory is this that Donald Trump is just a pawn in a game that the liberals are playing and that Donald Trump was actually their goal for a f- one term for Donald Trump um he was supposed to run so that it was a sure thing for Hillary and then somehow he won and uh, so they had to make Republicans look as bad as possible, uh, you know, and and do the most crazy stuff possible so that you would get a progressive, you know, more liberal leaning candidate in office. And uh, really, we're talking about like, you know, the the traditional Democrat we're talking about, I guess, I don't know, like. A traditional Biden. Democrats really aren't that progressive or yeah. that liberal. <laughs> so the, I, I mean, unless the, you go unless you go far enough back, you know, our founders um, <clears throat> had some fairly you know liberal uh, ideologies, um, right? Depending on how you define that, but you know, there was a lot of emphasis on personal liberty and freedom, and you know, a lack of oppression. Right. Um, that's why we have, you know, certain things like, you know, the, the freedom of speech and, and so on. Um, those separation are, of church and state is a big right. deal. It's a big deal. And that's a, that's something that America, I think takes way too lightly. Um, and I, I, I can preach for the favor of separation and church and state out of the Bible. Like I can biblically back that up. A little bit. Even if even if you couldn't, our our good friends, the Satanists, of which <laughs> I am now a part of, are also very big fans of separation of church and state for the reason of preserving your freedom, you know, to worship as you see fit, so that there isn't some Definitely. sort of government dictator, you know, telling you what you know who you're allowed to worship and how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's a profound 
thing that we have to look at and evaluate clearly. And um, I think it's really dangerous when we interweave, you know, faith and, um, you know, political and civil norms. We got to be careful. I mean, it, it, it's it's gotten really nasty and right. uh, disappointing. I mean, that's a lot of what has pushed me further and further left leaning has been just this uh, Trump hysteria of just people absolutely in love with this guy and uh, in love with the way he talks. And to me, I don't get that because <clears throat> he talks like a valley girl. He talks like, you know, a teenage drama queen or like that obnoxious, like, okay, do you remember like um, every villain in an 80s uh, like <laughs> comedy movie, like every like douchebag, rich, snobby guy in an 80s movie. That's Donald Trump. I mean, he just has this like, in, like very aggressive, I'm the winner attitude. And it's just like, how did this happen? Like, I mean, even George Bush tried to speak a little eloquently. Uh, right. Know, like, I, I mean, there there have been Republicans that, um, even if I didn't agree with their policy, you know, as people, like for instance, um, you know, uh, John McCain, his personality, um, I didn't have a problem with him as a person. I I didn't like, you know, I wouldn't have voted for him for some of his policies uh, yeah. because I see them as kind of antithetical to, you know, the direction of the country uh, we, we need to go in. But personally, um, I didn't really have that big of a problem with him for what I know about him. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, to the extent that you can really like politicians, I, I don't know that I really, really, truly like any of them. Um, some seem more likable than others. Um, policy wise, none of them are perfect. Um, I'm always going to, you know, kind of have realistic expectations that none of them are ever going to live up to, you know, the standard that I want. So I'm never really truly happy, you know, with, with who we get. For me, it's just a matter of who gets us, you know, closest to where we need to be. But, um, uh, Donald Trump, I think for the direction and, and, um, you know, what I see as, as benefiting, the most people, uh, in the best ways, uh, he was absolutely antithetical in pretty much every way possible. And personally, I, I don't like him as a person. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be his friend in real life. I, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with him. Right. It's yeah, it's, it's really strange, <laughs> you know, like I, I feel like something happened and we've been thrown off the the appropriate timeline, you know, <laughs> and uh, it, it's, I don't know, maybe the end well, is coming, you know, the end <laughs> is near. Donald Hopefully Trump not. has. Ho 
hopefully we can push that back just a little ways and maybe we'll survive for another few decades. Well, I don't know if you've seen, and then maybe this will help us lead since we're talking um, satanic apocalyptic world here. This maybe will tie in a little bit, but um, you know, uh, I thought I saw something where um, Israel is signing some kind of deal, some kind of agreement with like the um, the United. I can't remember the 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 term of the group, but the United Arab uh, Emirates. Like they're signing some kind of agreement between them. And then uh, I also saw a news article of some like Israeli, you know, news service. And it was like, uh, there's, there are rabbis that have uh, planned and scheduled meetings for the Messiah. Um, Like, like they've planned the, the Jewish Messiah has come and they're orchestrating things to put him into place. And all of this, if you go with the the fundamental kind of Protestant evangelical doctrines of the end times, that's like all stuff that has to take place for revelation to happen. So rapture's happening sometime soon. Left behind tribulation force. Here it comes, y'all. And Kirk Cameron won't be here to save you. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Let's talk about someone who's much more um, of an, uh, a joy to speak about besides Kirk Cameron, Satan. So we left I mean, off at number four, right? Yeah, so let's let's just kind of recap over over the first four again. Yeah, let's hit them um, just just so we can kind of remember where we left off. So the first one again is one should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. Number two is the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Number three, one's body is inviolable subject to one's will alone. Number four, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend, to willfully and unjustly, uh, I'm sorry, to willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. And here we are at number five. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world, one should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, um, really. The okay. first thing that pops in my head is Answers in Genesis, which is a, uh, a young earth creationist group. If you look at their statement of faith on their website, their statement of faith literally says that... Um, they believe in the literal interpretation of Genesis, and any scientific evidence that contradicts that interpretation must be false because they know that Genesis is true. So they've decided what was true, and they're looking only for evidence that conforms to that, and any evidence that doesn't, they reject it outright. 
which is a direct contradiction with this tenet, which is basically that you form your beliefs to the evidence, not you, not that you form the evidence to your beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Uh, I'm not going to defend. I'm not even going to try to uh, defend a, a, an apology to that statement because I totally <laughs> agree with it. Um, I think, and here's what <clears throat> this all comes back to. And I said it last episode, it all comes back to that, like inerrancy idea, this idea that right. the Bible, your English Bible that's been translated and retranslated and, uh, scribe, scribed and rescribed and, uh, supposedly comes from an oral tradition that, right good Lord, oral tradition. Okay. The way that the oral tradition worked in Judaism and in many cultures is all of your oral tradition, all of your, your oral, um, you know, your historical and, uh, spiritual, um, beliefs came from the oral stories of these, these leaders. Right. So, right from generation to generation the the kids are not going to sing them words are going to change things are going to be very um i mean that's the way it's built on that's right uh and and honestly i think that that's the way that um religion or spirituality is meant to be built on it each generation um uh cultivates it more so right. as a, a you know uh, I feel like people like you and me who are willing to sit here and talk about this stuff and try to answer, ask some hard questions. I think it's important that we're doing this for the sake of the world as a whole, because spirituality in my mind has to change. It has to continuously change. Whenever it doesn't change, people die. That's, well, and I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Certain ideas will become irrelevant as we make do, new discoveries. Um, I, it, that's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't hang on to an idea that contradicts new knowledge. Um, I guess maybe one of the first crit, um, critiques or challenges that comes to mind uh, might be that, well, science has led us to you know incorrect conclusions before, um, and that is true. You know the uh, our best scientific understanding of the world sometimes is flawed. Um, and so that, you know, that can go both ways. You know, you can be wrong uh, with a traditional faith-based idea, but you can also be wrong, you know, with a scientific understanding as well. But I think kind of the beauty of science is, and this is something I didn't understand growing up. Um, you know, I went to a, a Christian school. Um, I was kind of sheltered from a proper scientific education, mm-hmm. you know, with, with a good understanding of the philosophy of science. Because I always thought science was just kind of just a body of knowledge and, and a collection of facts. Um, and that's not at all what science is. Science is a philosophical approach, you know, at determining what is true and what isn't. And that's that's what makes science so, so powerful and, um, you know, so useful is the fact that it's self-correcting. Um, as you make new discoveries, you know, you, you never really actually determine what's true. 
What you do is you determine what isn't true and whatever remains is possibly true. And so you're constantly trying to whittle away, away at, you know, whatever remains and try to prove what isn't There's so that a, you can kind of make some conclusions about what likely is. Yes. And see, that's kind of like, in essence, what we have to do if you right. really think about it from like a, a like a anthropological bird's eye view of uh you know information shared um in a in a in a way that is not like measurable and finite you know like sub or, or or not finite but substance you know that we can we can count it we can quantify it that kind of stuff um if we can agree on the measurement if there's a a way we can measure it we know we're not miscommunicating that right words and perceived reality uh, it's just a big guessing game neurologically socially it's a big game and we're just trying to figure out the game and that's why i think we've seen just a lot of just really wild stuff go on during you know the past four uh years and more i mean there's been silliness but uh it's man the analysts that come out of this generation of like um political analysts and stuff I think they're going to be like, hopefully they're just not like, um, put some money in my back pocket for me to, you know, say whatever you want me to say. Hopefully they're like the people that learn how to make politics work. And they're, they're the people, you know, I keep watching these movies recently, all these different action movies. And they all evaluate like doing war and um, fighting and and stuff in a very different way. Like that's always been kind of the coming out of Hollywood. There's this like it's controversial, like Batman. You remember it was controversial um, in the Batman Superman franchise that. Batman's like killing people and shooting people with guns because Batman did a form of like uh, aggressive violence that was used in the context to subdue, not to, to harm, you know? And so you've got people that swing way to, from one side to way to the other on the violence argument, but man, and I, you know, good grief, this one, this, j- just these ideas that come out of just, because when you start talking about scientific method, I like, I always, my brain starts going, well, well, where is that not going to work? Where is that not going to work? Where is that <laughs> not going to work? Because I'm sitting here having a conversation with you until you, I can, upload my data from my brain and send it to you, <laughs> you're not going to know what I'm really trying to say. You know, that's, that's what's profound to me about a lot of what's going on. And, 
uh, you know, I look at the Bible and, and, uh, I think there's a lot there, any, any ancient text. I look at the Bible. I'd also look at, um, any ancient text whatsoever. I've been trying to study a lot of that. Um, there's wisdom in it because we're getting to peek into the ages before us. And I think it's obvious we can say what some of their mistakes were. Like, to me, the mistakes of the past should be obvious. Right. Like, and, it's I not mean, good to should... enslave people. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. How, how did that never make, like, the Ten Commandments? Like, you know, thou shalt never own another person as property. <laughs> right. I mean, that seems like kind of well, a basic idea. Um. The I believe the final commandment. So we got we can't go too far into this because we're going to do a whole episode on the Ten Commandments. Yeah, but it's true, um, the ten, I think it's the tenth commandment is thou shall not covet, and um, covet covetousness is a weird thing, right? It's like uh, envy and covetousness is like. I, you really can't, you're going to get a different definition from every uh, spiritual teacher, right? On this one thing of like what coveting is and what, um, how envy works, right? But <laughs> you weren't, uh, 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 you know, you weren't, you just weren't allowed, like you can't harm that guy's slaves, right? That <laughs> How silly is that? But, uh, but that's the way it was like, they were that guy's property, but here's the way that works. That's still going on now. Uh, when, when we do, when we go to our job and we fulfill a service, a spe- and I would, I would demand heavily a manual service where like I go out and I work really hard. I work my own job. I work for myself but I'm not really working for myself. I'm working for my mortgage. Like America, you, you are, you are essentially have to make yourself in debt to, um, do anything in this country. If you want to do the economic, like thing you're supposed to do the way they say that you'll have a successful life. If you want to do those things, you have to go in debt. Now we're getting into a whole nother conversation. <laughs> and I digress. Like I, and I need to, I, let's back to the devil, the devil. Okay. So I, well, there, we will definitely have time to talk about that. Uh, that's a whole right. discussion in itself. Yeah. But it, it's so interesting. Each one of these, it's almost like a ladder because each one of these tenants really, um, relies on the others and, and they, they make this very well systemized kind of philosophy kind of that locks into place and isn't demanding, um, people not have like preferences or ideals or beliefs. It's not demanding that, but it's saying you can have those, but, uh, uh, you can't like force other people to have them. That's that's why all the Christians came to America. Right. Right. 
And I you mean, know, they're holding it, themselves to a pretty high standard, I think, of, I mean, because if you're conforming your beliefs to a scientific understanding, that's basically just you being honest. It's, it's you not pretending to know things that you don't know. Uh, it's not mm. you trying to, you know, distort facts to, you know, fit into your ideology. It's it's you trying to fit your your ideology to, you know, match reality to best fit the world so that, right. um, you know, you're, you're being honest. Um, I, I think yeah. that's a pretty high standard that is really hard for most people to do, to be honest. Um, I think that takes a lot of practice and a lot of discipline. For um, sure. I think that's really respectable. Totally. You know, uh, that it's just so, I, I love it. I love that. Like to me, it's like, and this is the kind of the, the, here's a view I have on kind of where I'm heading spiritually right now. Um, the, the, the things you believe and the things that you, um, that you kind of have to hold on to, like, these are things I'm gonna, like, you should be way more open with those things, like faith and belief, the belief in the miraculous, like those things should be, you know, you should just kind of look at those things like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But the things that we should be more um, kind of like religious and dogmatic about should be things like um, our practice and um, the, the way we act and treat each other in society. Those things should, def- you know, declare what spiritual worth is. Like, right. I mean, I, I can see, you know, kind of having some foundational um, ideologies that maybe, you know, you, um, you, you could maybe, you could maybe describe them as dogmatic beliefs, like, you know, always respecting other people's mm-hmm. rights. And, uh, um, I, I mean, there are some, some things that you can, you can, I, I, I don't like the word dogmatic. Yeah. Um, I, I use the I, word I religious to, a lot. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, I I will. It's there are times when maybe I might sound dogmatic if I'm really confident in something, but I mm-hmm. I, I really do try to always proportion, you know, my confidence in an idea with my understanding of it. You know, as far as if something is absolutely, you know, provably true, um, if if you can demonstrate something, you know, with a very high degree of certainty that it's true, then I'm going to have a really high degree of confidence in that. Right. Now, if there's something that people can demonstrate, you know, that is true, and I don't have a very good understanding of it, I'm not going to maybe be as confident. I might kind of defer to their expertise, but I, I'm not necessarily going to take as hard of a stand myself. Um, but that can be maybe confused with, you know, being dogmatic if you're really confident. But I do think those are two very separate things. Um, I, I try to avoid any kind of dogmatism, you uh, know, any, anywhere I possibly can, because yeah. I, I see that as a, as a dangerous thing. We, we talked about a little bit, I think, um, one time in the thread about, uh, what is that? There's a term for, you know, um, it was like a study done, like a German study that was done about um, the more you, the more certain someone is about something, the likelihood of their them being, uh, you know, more sure of themselves in a, a particular field than they really are. 
you're talking about the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yes, the Dunning-Kruger so effect. Yeah, so it, if you kind of imagine a scale, you know, where the left the left side is uh, where you know nothing and the right side is where you know a tremendous amount. And then, you know, vertically, your your scale would be, you know, at the bottom is a low degree of confidence and the, the high degree of confidence would be higher. So at the very left end of the scale, you have this really high swoop that meets this really, really high peak initially, where you have this really low degree of knowledge or, you know, expertise, but you have a really disproportionately high degree of confidence. And that's really common. You know, people are stunningly confident about things that they know very, very little about. And then as you move to the right, that takes a really steep dive down to what's you know nicknamed the Valley of Despair, where basically you know you you realize that you know very little as you've gained a little bit of knowledge into a subject, you realize, oh, I actually don't know very much about this at all. And so you lose this massive amount of confidence. And then it gradually slopes back up, you know, as you gain more and more competence in, you know, uh, or expertise in an area. Um, you gradually, you know, keep climbing in confidence. But that's that's where, you know, I meet people who are either, you know, really accomplished musicians or, you know, um, experts in whatever field of study that they're in. And they generally seem to be very humble. Um, you know, that they don't act like they know it all. They act like they really don't. And to me, what that's kind of, I think probably what's, you know, where they're coming from with that is that they, they know enough to recognize how much more they could know or how much better they could be. Um, where, it, you know, as someone that doesn't know anything about something or maybe, you know, a very novice um, person at, at whatever, you know, uh, skill it is, a musician or whatever, you know, if you don't know anything about it, you have no idea where they're at or where you're at. So, you know, you might think, ah, oh, anybody could do that until you gain a little bit of knowledge. But yeah, that, that's what you were talking about, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Oh, love, yeah. And the moment I saw that, uh, I was just like, no, that's spot on. And it's always been, that's always been a thing frustrating to me in my, in my faith. Um, because, you know, before really getting into Christianity, I kind of got into, I was really young. I was like maybe 12 years old and I was getting into Zen Buddhism. I had these, <laughs> a couple of mm -hmm. little Zen saying books and they were so like, they were so focused on wisdom being in places that are hidden, you know, from, from, you know, the, the ones that think they're wise, you mm -hmm. know, you look at like the, you know, Lao Tzu's writings. And it's just like, that guy knows he knows nothing. <laughs> and his mm -hmm. observations on how economy and, and the way the world works, the way the mind works is, you know, it's profound at the level that Jesus is saying the same stuff supposedly 500 years later. Like that's what wrecked me when I started reading Tao Te Ching. There's like stuff that's almost word for word, like stuff that Jesus says in the in the Gospels. And so I'm like, okay. And the the Tao Te Ching is like 600 years older than 
uh, well, probably 700 to 800 years older than any Christian text that ended up in the Bible. Right. So it's, you know, there's wisdom that predates Christ that has been super valuable for me, <laughs> you know, like as far as, <laughs> as far as like ancient philosophy, because we're uh -huh. still doing all that stuff. We're still, you know, stuck in the same places we've been in for the past 2000 years. It's crazy right? that, that how slow moving, um, thought has become, uh, you know, it, it rocks my world anyway. Obviously I, I, that, that to me is, should maybe be the first tenant almost. I mean, that <laughs> to me, like is the, that's the fifth. Yeah. It's number five. I yeah, mean, but we didn't big, start out in a bad area with compassion and empathy. I mean, I think that's yeah, a very great place I mean, to start. And that's kind of like, that is a I mean, safeguard to everything. I mean, you start with motivation and then you come up with methodology. Um, uh -huh. I think good. that's it's still structured well. Yeah. So we're moving on to six. Let's move on. We've spent 30 minutes, 30 minutes on one. <laughs> so right, let's yeah, go. We've <laughs> covered compassion and justice and uh, autonomy and freedom, you know, to offend and now honesty, you know, and, and you know. Uh -huh trying to critical think stay honest right critical thinking it's now we're on to humility um yes. number six is Ooh. people are people are fallible if one makes a mistake one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused so it's a recognition that we make mistakes we can harm people and when you do it you are obligated to try to make that right Preach. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just don't be a dick. You know, like uh, that. Say that one again. It, it's, it's so good. All right. Um, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Yeah, you know, something that was taught to me by um, the guy who kind of led me into like spiritual Christianity. He was very positive influence on my life. Um, mm -hmm. I, I looked at him like a dad. Um, and he he told me, you know, he said he w was teaching me how um, an appropriate way to tell someone that you were sorry and ask for forgiveness because I had never been taught, you know, like I always heard sorry's are, I'm sorry, but you know, <laughs> right. and, and then an or, excuse. Um, yeah. Or like, I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings or I'm sorry you feel that way. Those aren't apologies. And this is actually going, you know, beyond apology. Um, this is saying you actually have to rectify it. So if yeah. you cause somebody harm, you know, you can't, just say, oh, I'm sorry. I Redemption, your kind of. You actually like do a, have to make that right. There needs to be an exchange made. Yeah. Um, that's right. so, yeah, no, that's so profound. And um, I just, I, it blows me away, man. I'm going to have a hell of a time trying to defend the Ten Commandments. Um, hell of a time. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, um, that's good stuff. Next one. All right. This is the final one. Oh, Number man. seven. Every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. So it almost negates the entire thing by saying if there is anything, you know, that is written or spoken, then the spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over what's been written down. So regardless of how you want to try to manipulate or interpret the words, it's the spirit of of the tenants that should be should prevail over the written word of the tenants. So no, yeah. you, know, you can't just bend uh. it to whatever you want it to mean. You have to actually take the spirit of of you know uh, what was intended at heart, and that is always what overrides that's, everything else. That's like so trinitarian too. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. The say the the Satanists are not going to like me because I'm going to compare it to what I think authentic Christianity should be. Um, and it's, it's values are really close. I mean, the, to, me, to me, that's what, it, how I feel, but go ahead. Uh, kind of my take on this is these are very humanistic values. Yeah. And humanism can be applied in various different places. So you can apply humanism to your interpretation of Christianity or the Bible mm-hmm. And you can pull out some really positive things in there if you're filtering with, you know, the the bias for humanistic values. But if you're not doing that, I think it is entirely possible to pull out, you know, um, some really bad ideas as well. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of where this has tried to control for that in their last tenet by saying that, you know, regardless of what whatever is written down or whatever is spoken you have to maintain the you know the spirit of compassion wisdom and justice um, because those are what's important not just you know you don't just take something for you know at its word you you need to have these ideas as your motivation mm-hmm. and I, I I think that's that's actually really smart that the the tr- those kinds of um, th- those those kinds of rules of three have always been pivotal to me. Um, and like, a, I don't know, in like a weird intuitive way, um, there's, I have a tattoo on my arm of a, an ancient like Welsh druidic symbol called the Awen, and it stands for divine inspiration. And there's these three dots that are supposed to be like the muse or the muses and they there's these three dots and then under the dots are these like rays coming down and uh those rays represent truth wisdom and beauty coming down from uh from heaven from like the divine and and that that idea is um what were the three terms you used justice um compassion wisdom and justice Compassion, wisdom, and justice. Okay. So um, I would, I like that to me, that would line up with like truth, wisdom, beauty. Um, truth. Well, but is, see, truth, 
there's there needs to be wisdom in in what you determine as truth, uh-huh. and that's where you know the Satanists have taken the scientific approach of never really yeah. proclaiming truth, but f- trying to follow a scientific process of determining what's not true. Yeah. And having a reasonable, you know, uh, expectation of what could be true. Yes. uh, Which is, to me, a lot more wise than just Uh proclaiming truth. And and the way you do that, uh, I would say the place that truth and, like, wisdom intersect, how do you determine if an ideal is true? Because an ideal isn't—an ideal is only measurable after you do it after you put that into some form of reality, right? So how is it measurable unless, like, you just have, like, debate, you know, and you have theology and Do you maybe philosophy. have a specific example of that? Or? Oh, God, God, I don't even know. I Like, it's just a really profound idea to me. Uh, I, I, I always looked at truth from, like, uh, Truth is where um, philosophy and then like the judicial system intersect, you know, like uh, because I mean, but I mean, even those are even those are based on something um, like, you know, the judicial process should be based on some at least I would hope some sort of empiricism of, you know, what, what can we demonstrate actually harms people and what helps people yes. and, and you know because if you're not doing that um what are you basing it on mm-hmm. yeah that's it's exactly it i mean and if you look at like look at uh for instance um i can't remember who it was i was listening oh, you know to uh oh, a, go ahead uh, i was listening to a um like it was basically a reading of a ancient um Greco-Roman text of a lawyer, um, uh, you know, in a court case because his his uh, his client had basically been accused of committing magic, black magic, and he his claim in court was this man's not a sorcerer. His his magic rituals are good. They're they're helpful to the gods. And uh, he's not a sorcerer, he's a philosopher. And philosophers do all the stuff he's doing. (laughs) That's that's basically what he said, you know? And uh, it, it was, you know, philosophy and law, like philosophy is basically kinda how we, it's the, the place where the measurable scientific things uh, intersect with how it makes us feel and how it affects consciousness and reality. And those places intersect in that world. It's, and so you get that truth, wisdom, that, um, you know, uh, compassion and beauty. I would say the, 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 the philosophy intersects with the world of science, which I would consider like, uh, wisdom and, uh, truth. I don't know. I've got a big diagram I'm going to have to make. (laughs) I mean, science is a philosophy. Um, It's a philosophy of, of determining, you know, what is true. It's basically an epistemologic 
system. There's a um, lot of systems that are like that. There's a whole kind of economy built into that, you know, uh, so many systems are designed off of where these things intersect, you know, philosophy, science, and law. Uh, right. And it's, it's really profound. And, and we have to be willing to talk about those things more in a place where they have to be in conflict and intersect because, you know, law is, and uh, philosophy Man, can, is, go ahead. I mean, can you imagine if we based our legal system off of the seven fundamental tenets of the satanic temple? I mean, think if our legal system was structured to be compassionate and to be scientific, like, you know, our, our big war on drugs, which is ineffective and mm -hmm. harmful, um, you know, think about how that would look under an ideology formed from, uh, you know, this, these tenets, um, where, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to take a scientific approach to, you know, how do we treat people who are addicted to drugs? Um, you know, what, what are yeah, we've already actual got beneficial ways? We've right. already got numbers on there, that stuff based off of what other countries have done. I mean, there is a whole science behind it. We we understand how to treat people and how to get them out of addiction. And that is the compassionate thing to do instead of just, you know, punish them. Um, you can rehabilitate people. Um, I mean, our whole legal system could benefit if we just had this ideology as part of our, you know, mainstream uh cultural, you know, accepted norm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to say something weird. Do it. And this is, <laughs> this is going to be controversial. This is uh -oh. all hypothetical. And I think, okay, so here's, here is I a disagree. very, <laughs> here's a very, um, kind of cold logistical view of this thought. Okay. It, would it not be scientifically valid to, I, I think it would be absolute, I think it's imperative. And this is, religion's been kind of the only answer to it for a long time. But um, the the need for people to accept and be okay with death. You follow me? Hmm. Like, um, keep going. religion, religion has kind of held that. Uh, there's something that's ingrained in the human being to make death have meaning. That there's, <sighs> I, I think it goes very deep into our are, uh, you know, kind of the way our brains work and the way our brains I, want to, to feel. Um, go ahead. Can I kind of interject an anecdotal perspective sure. on that maybe? Um, as somebody who, you know, grew up a, a fundamentalist, uh, ultra-conservative Christian who absolutely believed, you know, in hell and heaven, um, and then having you know, gradually transitioned out of that uh, kind of against, against my will. Uh, you know, I didn't want to come to other conclusions, but I uh, had to follow a process. Really, I was following the fifth tenet 
of conforming my beliefs to, you know, my best scientific understanding of the world. Um, having gone from one to the other, to me, it feels as though religion was what was stoking my fear of death. Mm -hmm. And I remember very, you know, very distinctly as a kid thinking about, you know, the reality of hell and what that would be like and how terrifying that was and how opposite heaven yeah. would be from that. <laughs> and, you know, I think that created a lot of anxiety um, that I wouldn't yeah. have had because totally. having come out of it, having come out of that belief where I no longer hold, I, I don't see any reason to believe that either of those places exist or that I, you know, go into any kind of other existence after I die. Um, to me, it's most logical that I would go, I would revert back to the state that I was in before I was born, which is non-existence. And I'm a lot more comfortable with that. Um, that is a lot less terrifying to me than the idea that, you know, there could be an afterlife and there are, you know, dozens of religious beliefs that you have to follow to get yeah. to whichever heaven and, you know, any one of them could be wrong, but not, you know, you can't have all of them be right. Um, that, that to me creates the anxiety and the fear of death that, totally. you know, yeah, I mean, I'm afraid of dying. You know, if, if I, you know, have a close call and almost get into a car accident, you know, I get the adrenaline rush. Um, I'm, you know, things can terrify me, but yeah. I don't go through life, you know, thinking about death. Uh, I just don't really focus on it. I'm not afraid of it. And that was something that as a Christian, I focused on significantly more. And I've noticed that, um, you know, kids that I know that grow up in, in, you know, much more secular households where their parents, you know, really aren't religious, they don't seem to have the same kind of anxiety that right. I did having grown up in the culture that I did. Um, so it's almost, it, it seems to me that the problem is created by religion and then they try to offer you the solution to it when it really shouldn't be, you know, such a big problem to begin with. There, yeah, there's so many checks and balances that don't scale out. Like you really, I, I you know, uh, there are there are Christian sects and faith systems that believe in what's called um, uh, con conditional annihilation. And it's, oh, like uh, uh, don't some yeah. of the Mormons believe that? I don't know if it's necessarily Mormons, but I'm pretty sure Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Um, I've had some conversations with some witnesses, and they believe that unbelievers don't go to hell. They just cease to exist. Right. And um, But the, the ones that believe are going to go on to eternal life, and eternal life— not in heaven, but on earth, it's complicated. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> all of it, but, um, yeah, some, of, some of them don't believe that. And then you have others that believe, you know, we're all going to go to one place and it's going to be good. And then there's, you know, purgatoric beliefs, there's karma and reincarnation. Um, that, that idea actually, uh, to me makes a lot more sense. <laughs> um, it, Not it, if it really makes any sense to me. <laughs> it does, it's it's nonsensical, but it could be way more. It, it to me, it makes it, it, it. Hell is kind of 
like a really big punishment for some really small stuff, you know, whereas reincarnation, it's, there's more of an actual justice scale and you, you know, over time, uh, you work all your shit out. Well, now with, but that can be really problematic. Yeah. Because imagine somebody who came back as what would be a punishment to come back as, as something. Uh, you, you, I don't know. I'm there's, there's so many probably weird different views. There's probably groups that only believe in like reincarnation to humans. And then some that probably only believe in, you know, animal reincarnation. You can come back as a tree. Um, right. I mean, but, what what about like if you came back as like a disabled person or something? Uh, yeah, could that be viewed as maybe a punishment from a previous life? Well, you know, if you are you really, it? if you are really terrible, maybe you know. And so that belief could lead you to treat people who don't otherwise deserve it as if they led a bad previous life. Yeah, it's complicated. I don't know. Man. <laughs> it's I'm still it's still tripping me out because I've been start that's kind of the thing I've been studying lately is reincarnation and kind of the these some of these ideas about um there's people that there are different groups that believe in there's a set amount of souls in the universe <laughs> like conscious beings there's yeah, a set I, amount I, of I those wouldn't... I wouldn't and, disagree that there's a set amount of, of of souls. It's just that probably the set amount that I would agree to would be zero. Yeah. Where well, and, and that's the thing. That's another interesting thing. The only okay, the only realm that could exist out of the outside of the universe that we exist in is non-existence. Right. Like that's a completely unfathom uh, unfathomable concept because there's no way to observe it. Like how can you observe an existence? I, I mean I can I can conceptualize um something that can exist but isn't observable like if it existed outside of our universe maybe in another uh-huh. one. Um I mean that that to me is fine but to I exist outside of reality that's not a possible it's literally a contradictory statement is to exist outside of existence yeah it doesn't like compute it, with it me. doesn't yeah it doesn't work in existence does not work right to me that's just like <laughs> a, a, it's just magical thinking to me i I, I don't understand it well it i i don't either and that's <laughs> that's what i'm trying to figure out you know i i, I mean i'm i'm, I'm good fascinated. with believing things I'm good with believing things that can be demonstrated to be true, and I'll mm-hmm. believe them to the extent that they can be demonstrated. Beyond that, it's to me, it's just kind of, you know, it, it remains to be unknown. And some things might be a possibility. Some things might not be a possibility. Mm. Um, I mean, not everything is possible. You know, there are some things people might say, well, it's possible you know, just because you can't prove it. We don't even know that. There are some yeah. things that could be impossible. So... I'm really kind of stuck. If I'm going to be honest, um, I'm kind of stuck with just believing, you know, things to the extent that I can see that they're demonstrated to actually be true. 
Yeah, like so a, everything on, beyond on, that, on all, empiric kind of right thought all, process. Uh, yeah, uh, all of the things that kind of invoke miracles or magic to me is just irrational. I, I, I it's it's entirely illogical. It doesn't make any sense to me, uh, and I really can't convince myself that it's real. Exactly. How does the placebo effect work? You know, that's and that's what I really think that might be where a lot of that the power is in that it has something to do with just the human mind and consciousness and the need to like survive and evolve. I think that that's a lot of what it has to do with, you know. Um, and I'm not saying like I believe that there could be supernatural things that exist, and I think that I could, it's highly likely I could believe that. There's absolutely logical explanations for every single one of them, you know, but that's, that's kind of the point I wanted to make. And it was everything I learn about science should just make my views and my openness to what could be possible more possible. Like the bigger, shouldn't the idea that the bigger the universe gets, the less we actually know for certain and the more we need to learn and be humble about. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect. The more we know, the more we know we don't know. Yeah. And that's, that's why I subscribe to mysticism because it's mysticism is this like value of uh, just unknowing and you seek to live a life at complete peace with everyone around you as best as you can so that, you know, because you can't be sure of anything. You're just in awe of all of it. You can be fairly sure of a great many things. Um, I'm just because you can't be absolutely certain about anything. Doesn't mean that you can't be fairly certain about, a lot of things. I mean, we can very clearly demonstrate a lot of things to be um, more than likely true. I mean, the, no one's really calling into question, you know, atoms existing or um, you know, the speed of light. People, I mean, man, you got to remember there are people calling into question everything. <laughs> there, there are, but Flat we also have Earth. <laughs> we, yeah, but those are people that lack, you know, a basic understanding of, you know, the the particular expertise that they're trying to talk about. Um, you know, if you take a physicist and, you know, a flat earther, one's going to have very informed arguments and they're going to basically be able to explain the mechanics of how everything works and they're going to be able to do it reliably in such a way that they can predict, you know, the way that the universe works very, very accurately to the point that we can put somebody on the moon where a flat earther just can't do that. I mean, they're talking on ignorance, not on, not on knowledge. Um, and when you have something that's reliable, that can make predictions, that's a very useful model. And we can, I think we can reasonably say that we, we have a lot of knowledge there. Um, that's not, you know, that's not something that we can't just say, you know, uh, we don't know we, because we do, we, we know a, a great deal of things. And that, you know, that, that just continues to happen. We continue learning about the universe around us and, uh, that should be informing our beliefs and our ideology. You know, if if we learn, you know, how humans work better than maybe we did 10 years ago, we should adapt our, our, you know, uh, the way we treat people and our legal system and everything around that knowledge. And I think that's how we grow as a society. 
Yeah. You know, we and, can't just we can't just continue so traditions good. for the sake of tradition. We need we need to base our beliefs on knowledge of which we do have. Yeah. The and, and the and the stuff that it, that we're sure of, the stuff that you know we can measure and and kind of quantify that stuff, we need to hold that stuff we need to be able to we need to hold on to it tightly, but we also need to be willing to like Whenever we find the game changer, yep, go back well, to the drawing like, board. The majority of people in the scientific community that I've you know had the opportunity to talk to, mm-hmm. um, I have heard so many times you know the idea that you know when we can start predicting something, that's really neat. But whenever we find something that completely contradicts everything that we thought we believed, that's what's exciting to us. Um, because it has the opportunity to turn everything we know on its head, and we love that. Yeah, you know that kind of mentality um, is, I mean, that's very much uh, uh, conforming to this fifth tenet. You know, where you're forming your beliefs based on the evidence, you're continually following it to new conclusions, and that's how you grow. I think that's a really healthy mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's it's so good. I'm I'm gonna have my work cut out for me um, uh, on the next the next podcast episode with the uh, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> um, yeah, that one that one's gonna maybe not be quite so smooth. I think I think we're maybe I, gonna find. I think I'll I'm find some contentions to, in there. Oh no, you're gonna find plenty. Um, and I'm gonna have to do uh, the to make them um, apply in any way whatsoever. For some of them, I'll probably have to do some kind of uh, allegorical and and theological backflips. Like I'm gonna have <laughs> but to. But why though? Because uh, the context is that it's in um, much of the Old Testament. I'm sorry, the context that it's in. Much of the Old Testament is completely terrible and contradictory. Yeah. End of story. And, um, I mean, you got two different people killing Goliath. There's two different stories. There's two different creation stories side by side in Genesis 1. There's, uh, there's contradiction on contradiction. So if you can't interpret it any way but literal or the literal interpretation is the strongest. It has to be the highest. Uh, That's a huge limitation to the supposed creator of the universe. God, I hate that stuff. You've got to be able to interpret the Bible more than just literally. Why in the world would there be so much poetry in it if it was meant to be taken literally? It makes so much more sense to me that it's just allegory and it has morals to the stories, which, by the way, I also don't agree with. Um, so, well, to me, it's it all was, kind of because it was based off of ridiculous ancient societies, right? And that's just not relevant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we and we can and do it, better. We have the, done better. This the Satanists have done think, a much better job. Yeah, the more we think, the more we we change. And the more we can look back, this is what's frustrating me right now. The more we should be able to look back and say, the progress they made was valuable and the 
stupid shit they did was terrible. We yeah, don't we have to. We don't have to deify uh, all of the the innovators of the world. That's because, our sixth tenet. Yeah. People are fallible. Yeah. And if you make mistakes and you have to rectify it, I mean, you have to own up to what is wrong. Yeah, man, I'm going to have my work cut out for me, but that man, uh, final thoughts on the whole, whole deal. Hail Satan. That's uh, (laughs) that's my final thought there. Um, like I've said continuously, um, I, I, if you do believe the Bible literally, um, you have to believe that God can use anyone. Um, there's countless times where God, the whole Bible is God just with the exception of Jesus, quote unquote, God just uses really shitty people to do his stuff. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. The whole Bible is a bunch of shitty people doing shitty things. And then it kind of working out, (laughs) you know, sometimes God's the one doing things like doing the shitty stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and, and how do you all deal the, with the that? firstborn? And, and that's yeah. one of, that's the ultimate contradiction of the whole Bible is if God is love, why does he commit mass genocide? And my Maybe only conclusion, test. yeah, <laughs> my, my conclusion is they heard wrong. They, they were not, they had not got, they, they they misheard that one. Maybe it's they a test might have sort out. Yeah, they might have made it up. Yeah, Moses. In my mind, Moses was probably winging it because, good Lord, do you know how much uh, correlates from Old Testament, New Testament stories, and then uh, ancient Egyptian myths? I mean, they yeah. th- there's tons of it all over it. Greek myths. Yeah, the, some of the myths do look eerily like pre-existing oh, myths well, as well. So, um, I mean, there's virgin births, Isis, right. I, Isis and Mary, and then is it? I think it's is it Horus or is it Osiris? Yeah. I can't remember. I think but you're right, Horus. I think it. I think well, no, I think it's Isis, and then Osiris was born of Isis, but she was a virgin. I can't remember. I got to study There's this stuff ma- more. Too but, many fairy tales. Yeah, for me to keep virgin birth and then a death and a resurrection. And I mean, and it's all Egyptian. So, and it predates. I mean, there, uh, if you read through like um, ancient Mesopotamian law codes um, that predate Judaism by thousands of years. I mean, you can look word for word. These Mesopotamian law codes, when translated into English, they say the laws of the Abrahamic tradition. A lot of them are just copy-pasted, man. It's mind-numbing to me how um, unwilling... We we allow anybody else's religion or nationality um, affect the way we see reality. You know, like 
I, I think the biggest sin on the earth, the biggest evil done on the earth right now is um, this kind of nationalist um, kind of rhetoric to be rising up everywhere. Like, I, I, I think we all need to, like, we need to respect and honor every nation and their cultures and heritage, but like we need to honor and respect, but not give a shit what, if anybody wants to leave that culture or come into it. Um, and we can't, we only change the stuff that needs to be changed based off of ideas of compassion, you know, like, it's it blows my mind how much the in and out tribalism affects the whole world. Like we're, I'm tired of everybody just killing everybody because of our what nation does just, what and king does what and God does what. Man, <laughs> we should just all be Satanists. We should hold you know, these values, and the world will be a better place, and we can all live happily ever after. That's the problem, though. Is some of the some some people just really can't get into the whole evil motif of the well, brand. I mean, that's where you have humanism. Yes, and that basically and, the same thing. Yeah, and and you've got different. You've got a humanist flavor in almost every religion. So yeah. maybe well, we I need think that's to just elevate those I, groups. I think that's because humanism is. I mean, it's just part of being human. It's built on, you mm -hmm. know, the things that brings us together as as a group. You know, as fellow humans, we we utilize empathy and com uh, compassion, and you know, reason, and you know, some sort of justice in order to form societies. Because if we don't have those, we can't function. So they're kind of a basic, fundamental part of you know the human experience, and so. Yeah, I mean, those are almost intrinsic traits that we just already have. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're going to try to apply those to things that we see as good, um, like religions. You know, we're going to try and pull good things out of them, but we're also selfish. I mean, um, you know, we we do things to benefit ourselves and not everybody else. And I mean, that's a constant struggle, too. That's another part of being human. And that's where, you know, um, you have to recognize that you are capable of those things and you have to recognize that you're capable of bias and that you're going to be fallible and you're going to cause harm and you're going to pull bad ideas out of whatever written word is out there. And that's why you should follow the seven fundamental tenets of Satanism because they account for all of this. This is actually maybe one of the better um, moral structures that, you know, um, and it's so easy to find. I mean, you just go to their website. It's all right there. If you have any questions, I you guess, just refer back to it. Yeah, <laughs> I think there could be maybe some minor disagreements in like forms of humanism compared to like these satanic tenets. There could be maybe. some just a little bit, but I mean, there could be some disagreement in it. But I mean, like nothing. In, if you follow those tenets, there's no major conflict within that. But right, yeah, no, just be a good person. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not that hard. I think a lot of people just don't want to feel the full spans of emotion that you can feel. Where they're not willing to 
experience the discomfort and pain. So they uh, just re- try to immediately try to vindicate whatever pain that's inflicted upon them as well. Like, I mean, somebody makes a mistake and, and people, you know, want to uh, cancel them immediately. Those kinds of things, you know. Well, I mean, if they're not sorry, then someone's got to make things right, right? To a degree, <laughs> but I mean, uh, if it's just not at like I've seen, I've seen people come after people not because you know they were, uh, you know, doing anything wrong. They were opinionated, but uh, I mean, look at comedians. Yeah, There's true. comedians all the time that like they're like, hey, I don't actually believe any of the bullshit i'm saying you know uh dave chappelle is great at that dave chappelle's been you can tell that guy gets upset when he does offend people even though 99 percent of what he says is offensive as shit the whole point (laughs) of comedy is to get you to not so to be so fucking uptight about whatever the fuck you are dealing with Pardon my language, everybody. But that's like <laughs> that's why I love comedy so much because comedy, there is no there's no safe place in comedy. Everybody gets picked on in comedy. It doesn't give like the more like the more brave you can be about making fun of something. And that's why like I've seen like a lot of like disabled comedians that are just incredible. Um and, and I think that we need more of that. People need to see medical conditions in the comedy world because the more you so laugh saying, about, you know, the shit that you're struggling with, the more you can overpower it. So you're saying we should all have the freedom to offend. Yes. And see, I can, I'm going to keep tying this back in, man. Yeah. I mean, you, you just beautiful. can't escape the, the fundamental tenets here. It's, be, it's, We're well, all it's very well. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, the idea, the ideas about Illuminati and stuff, you know, maybe there is some truth to that and maybe, but maybe they're not as bad as we think they are, you know, like uh, the boogeyman of fundamental to Christianity, fundamental Christianity's boogeyman is one world government, one world government. You mean Star Trek? No, I'm talking about the New World Order. Yeah, they're Star gonna, Trek. They're going to put a microchip in you. Space communism. Yeah. Um, but that's such a boogeyman in fundamental Christianity. But what the hell is the book of Revelation about? Every knee will bow and every tongue will right. confess that Jesus is Lord. That's true. That's a one world government. Do you think there's some projection going on? They're there? gonna mass genocide everybody. That you know, like oh, the judgment, and they're all gonna throw all the sinners in hell. Uh, all the people that are, are alive now are the compliant ones. <laughs> One world government. That's what they've all been wanting the whole time. But you know, that's the. the asinineness of that kind of ideology well you know. not if us satanists can stop them first 
right and whatever the hell i am i know i'm not a satanist i mean i i, hey, I but you I can be a satanist it. ally yeah you can be an ally well and that's the thing like i think one of the most harmful things in america is evangelicalism like the conservative like religious right like zionist mentality i think that is kind of scary and uh you heard it here folks it didn't come from the satanist it came from the 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 religious yeah the, the spiritual of the two of us who killed jesus it was a big political church and state political ordeal it was a, it was like a conspiracy theory where the church the high priest got intertwined with the government and did all this bs and they killed him yep and they turned the mob the mob that that was singing songs to him when he came into the city was yelling crucify days later you know like that's the thing like there are great um comparisons to like group think and mob mentality and uh church and state politics going on all through the book man and but we look at it so to me liberal christianity can be totally justified but it's very complex because I've never seen anyone try to go through the whole Bible that way. But I like to me, it's like oh, you guys think you're the good guys, but maybe you're not. You know, so I maybe the Bible's true, and but the guys who think they're the good guys, those are actually. You know the horror Babylon and the it's a it's a it's a test to see who will blindly follow an an authoritarian dictator and who will stand up Um, instead uh, against all odds for justice. mm -hmm. That's what got all the prophets killed. You know. (laughs) Anyway, man, great. There's that was a great talk. I, I I'm I love that, and I think maybe we can shed some light on the the satanic temple and their beliefs um what's the website you know the website for them oh yeah you can just go to the satanic temple.com cool and uh everything is right there on their website you can sign up for free and become a member and have you know be on the email list and follow all of what's going on you can donate um they've got a little store where you can buy things um but most of most of it is is to me, they look like they're they're largely um, kind of a political activist group, um, just mm-hmm. advocating for these basic tenets. Um, yeah. You know, just just trying to make more good in the world and make the world a more fair and happy place. Um, right so I'm on. all about it. Right on. Good deal. Well, so if you're interested in learning more about the uh, not not the uh, what is it the Church of Satan not, but the not, satanic, yeah, not the Church of Satan the Satanic Temple yeah the Satanic Temple not the Church of Satan group it's a different group but check them both out and uh, it, you know um, another thing uh, we uh, we're gonna do a Patreon Q and A episode 
on the uh, the satanic temples tenets of faith. So uh, if you have any questions or you have any statements, if you want to harass us, please do send us an email at info at analyzepodcast.com about all of the, us? yeah and that goes to everybody so send us or you some, can even you can even ahead. just go to the analyzed website and contact us you know through there at analyzepodcast.com um there's plenty of ways to contact us there cool so yeah hit us up ask us some questions throw some stuff yeah, patreon somebody has got to have a hard time with the fact that i claim to be a christian and I am okay with all of the tenets of faith of the the satanic temple. So no, just, somebody's no, no, got something just, to say. They're they're not tenets of faith. They're fundamental tenets. Oh, I fundamentals. That, I don't know that Satanists Satanist actually advocate for faith. Oh, fundamentalist Satanism. That sounds scary. Anyway. Yep. But I, I agree with these these fundamentals. I think they're pretty solid fundamentals, and they um, each one works well together, maybe even as good as the Ten Commandments. Because yeah, I am going to do a, 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 a very um, over-the-top acrobatic feat to make the Ten Commandments appeal better than these fundamental tenets. Um, so yeah, please send your questions to us. Uh, we'll put out a, shortly we'll be putting out a Q&A episode once we get uh, some questions. Feel free to ask us multiple questions in the emails. There's, I don't know how many people have been listening, but uh, just hopefully somebody, somebody will listen. In the, we had some downloads in the Philippines and wow, wow where else? Um I think somewhere in well, we had some in Sweden. We had some in. We're we're starting to get around. So I mean, people are sweet. People evidently are listening, Mister um, Worldwide. Maybe they all agree. Maybe they don't have any questions because it all makes yeah. sense. And we need to work together and build the new world order. Right under Satan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right well that was a great episode i had a lot of fun yeah. um yeah i gotta go i gotta go uh because uh, it's dark now and we have uh we have to go out crab booping Ooh, go boop your crabs <laughs> yeah you go outside the crabs come out at night when you get a flashlight you go out you you the, you'll see them on the beach and you chase them and eventually they get tired and they stop and you can walk right up to them and you can boop them on the nose and it's all kinds of fun. Well, that sounds like a uh, ladies' night at Cotton Eye Joe, if you ask me. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. I'll, I'll stick with the crabs. They're more fun. <laughs> Booping crabs. Anyway, well, everybody, have a good time. I hope you enjoy the Biden presidency. Um, hey! If not, let's try not to kill each other. Please, please don't try to kill anybody over this uh be safe <laughs> wear a mask be cool peace